If you want to build, there are two key phases that you have to go through and you have to complete before you actually start building. You have to prepare the ground. You have to lay the foundations. To be fair, there are probably other phases you have to complete before starting to build, about which I have no idea whatsoever. Who am I to be talking about building? Please don't ask my wife, Angela, about my DIY skills. It would be embarrassing, let alone building. And this talk today is the second in a little mini-series that we've called Foundations. And we're just trying to share something of what we feel God has been saying to us. In fact, even this past week, as I was preparing to talk today, in my inbox, I received an email from New Wine. And the heading was simply, pray for firm foundations. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Here I am, <laughs> preparing a talk about foundations. And Stuart kicked us off last week on foundations. And then this email comes in out of the blue, as far as I'm concerned, build and pray for firm foundations. In fact, the narrative went on in this email. Let's pray that Jesus would be the foundation of our lives once more, starting with us, our churches, and as we reach out in love, our communities and nations. And then there was a quote from an old hymn on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And I've got this question in my mind and heart. Well, if God wants us together to explore foundations, I wonder what has been happening as far as the ground is concerned, the ground into which we want to place foundations, ground on which we want to build. Because we have been through a few very difficult years. And I just want to invite us to have a very, very quick think. Let, let's not dwell too long on this because it might come with a bit of pain. But just think of the, the big picture and how the ground has been shaped and impacted by what's happened over the last few years. In fact, Stuart also invited us just to have a brief think about this last week. And he kind of described the setting. He described the scene. He described how the land has been shaped and impacted. And uh, he mentioned Brexit and the worldwide pandemic, the war in Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, the scandals that have hit the news, and even the death of the Queen, which is very recent for us. You see, the land has changed the context is different, 
And we have been through, and I think we continue to negotiate really tough times just at the moment. And as we just park that now, let's not dwell on that. But interesting that I felt, let's just uh, have another reminder of that, although Stuart brought that to us last week. Against that rather negative, that rather difficult background, imagine God speaking directly to you, to me, to us, saying this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now imagine that for a moment. Against that dark, difficult background that I've outlined, God saying, I'm doing a new thing. Well, let's have a look at the passage in the Bible where those words actually come from because I quote it from the Bible by saying those words. And there is a real encouragement here. This is Isaiah chapter 43. There is an encouragement here, but can I warn you as well, there is a sobering challenge in this one as well. You'll probably see what I mean when we read it. So, Going to read from Isaiah 43, starting at verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me. The jackals and the owls because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people. My chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me. Just a quick explanation. The calamus, a plant used both in medicine and in food as a spice. You haven't lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. Now bearing in mind... The criticism that God seems to levy against his people here. I want to leap right ahead and just read a few verses which Jesus spoke. This is Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, 
they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, referring again to last week, just because this is a a joined up three-week series on foundations, Stu reminded us how over recent years, as a church together, uh, we focus on different elements. And one of those was on those three words of rebuild, repair, restore. But I want to ask you this question. When we do rebuild, repair, and restore, whatever that looks like, and in in whatever context that is, how many times does the result of our rebuilding, repairing, and restoring look exactly the same as it did before? And how many times does it look a little bit different or maybe a lot different? And the reason I ask that question of us is because I think when God is doing his work in rebuilding, repairing, and restoring, I think he does that in our individual lives, in our church, in communities. It just seems to me that he actually does something different, something new. And the result rarely, if ever, looks exactly the same as it did before. So if we go back to these verses I read from Isaiah, we're going back two and a half thousand years ago, and God is saying, see, I am doing a new thing. But if we leap way ahead into the future and we drop into the last book in the Bible, Revelation, which very much handles prophecy and future things, we see this. I am making everything new. And then if we come back into the present and see how Jesus is changing lives today, we have this from the second letter that Paul wrote to Corinth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But this is the question, and I'm not 100% sure of the answer. I guess I have to answer it for myself as you do for yourselves. Why is it that when God is changing us and renewing us, When he is doing his new thing amongst us, we can be resistant to change. In fact, that might be true of us in very general senses. We don't like change. We can't handle change. And I was just thinking, actually, I mean, when we get together on a Sunday morning like this, This is an important time for us all. We gather to be together. We we gather to learn together. We gather to worship together. We gather to be together. And we gather to invite and enjoy the very presence of God. This is such an important time of the week for us when we are gathered like this. And I was conscious, what happened last Sunday? Now, you may not have been with us last Sunday, but I became aware as I was preparing this, we kind of announced quite a few changes, but I mean, simple changes, nothing big here. 
You know, first thing we said, actually, we're not going to have refreshments out in the corridor. We're going to have them in here. And they're at the back. And actually, the refreshments are there available throughout the service, at the start, at the end. So that was, I mean, that's a little change to make. And then we had Children's Church saying, you know, we've got new T-shirts. Here, guys, new color and a new logo. And, and that was change. And Oh, and then there was another change. Every second Sunday of the month, when we're gathered like this, we're going to have a little focus on prayer together. So that's a little change. And, and then Children's Church was saying, actually, on the second Sunday of the month, we're going to get our children together and they're going to have a little worship time together. And it seemed like, goodness me, on one Sunday, we, we announced all these little changes about this very important time that we spend together. And I know they're really simple changes to make, hardly big issues, are they? But change nevertheless. Just that sense of, oh, this is a little bit different. This is a bit fresh. This is new. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. And I think sometimes we need change. We can be, that's so interesting, isn't it? What a paradox. On one hand, we can be reticent about change, resistant to change. I don't want to change. And yet we often accept, oh, we need changes. We, sometimes you just need a change. And I'm very aware that I've changed over the years myself. In fact, if we put this photograph on the screen, um, this is a very obvious, visible change that you will notice. That's me and my younger brother. In both cases, in case you were wondering. And the right-hand picture was taken in July at a big family celebration, my oldest sister's 50th wedding anniversary. We've changed. <laughs> I know we've gotten a bit older, a bit greyer, although I hardly have greyed at all, I'm amazed. I often say to my brother, oh, the years haven't been kind to you, have they? But we've changed physically, but probably emotionally, mentally, <laughs> in our, our thoughts, our attitudes, we've, we've changed. This city has changed over the years. Now, if we put this other picture on the screen, um, I'm just comparing um, the same area. On the left-hand side, this is the mid-1800s at Ashley Down. When George Muller bought land and built five orphan homes, you might see the five homes there, um, on open countryside. In fact, the narrative reads, when the children left the original orphan homes on Wilson Street and were walked up from Wilson Street to these new orphan homes on Ashley Down, they enjoyed seeing the fields and the cattle grazing. Now, I've driven around Ashley Down and I've seen no cattle grazing because the Google map on the right-hand side shows how it looks today. Those big sort of chunky buildings in the middle there around the cricket ground are the Muller orphan homes, exactly as they are on the earlier drawn map. But as you can see, it's pretty much built up. So 
Places change, don't they? Our city has changed. Maybe your home has changed. We've changed as a church. So if we look at this third comparator, um, there's Abby in both cases. And that one on the left-hand side, I don't know if you can see. There's, uh, there's Ron. Adrian. Who else can I see there? <laughs> Were you there, Rob? <laughs> Adrian's dad was. Um, okay, maybe the building hasn't changed all that much, but look at that group of people and now have a quick look around you. That's what we look like. I don't know what the date was on that. February 34, Ron is saying to me. That's probably right, isn't it? So we're on the building of the, the church. Um, maybe that was a completion party, a celebration. New church opened on Filton Avenue. And here we are almost 100 years on. <laughs> Not quite. And look at us today. We've changed, haven't we? How interesting. If I could go back to those people, I'd have said, why didn't you buy the land that was next door and had a bigger building? But there we go. That's a, another, another matter. But listen, what I want to emphasize here is, is change. We all change. Places change. We change. We change physically. We change visually. But we change inside as well. And God wants to make change in us in a community, to, in us together, in our own individual lives as well. But what I want to emphasize here is that with the change, I think there is a familiarity that links the past with the present, that links the old with the new, that somehow there is still something recognizable. There's something familiar, even though it has changed. So... Let's put this one last picture up on the screen. Do you know who this is? <laughs> Mr. John Payton. This was on his wedding day. And I don't know, John, what can we say? You've just gotten better looking as the years have come on, haven't, haven't you? That's what Karen says anyway. <laughs> but isn't it interesting? I wouldn't even contemplate asking John the date of this picture. Mind you, it's black and white. Um, he's changed. But you can still see him there, can't you? And if you thought, oh, I didn't realize it was John, but I can see it now. There's something familiar. There's something you think I can recognize something there, even though the years have weathered him, beaten him a bit. Uh, <laughs> I did have his permission to put this picture up, by the way, in case you were wondering. 
Is this the new thing God is doing? Yeah, let's move on. We don't want him up there too, too long, do we? Because um, I think with change, um, especially when we're changing perhaps things in the church and how we gather and what we do together and some of what we do in the community and things, uh, the, the church looks quite different today than it did yesterday and, and many years ago. You know, I think the fairest question you have to ask is this. Is this... A change that God is doing amongst us. Is God in this change? Is God making this change happen? Is this the new thing that God is doing? And it's a fair and right question. And I think when you look closely and you see something of Jesus in it, you you recognize something of Jesus in it, then that's your answer. That's when you think this looks like Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. It feels like Jesus. Let's go for this. Let's do this. And he is running right through it. If the hallmark of Jesus runs right through those changes that happen in us and around us and amongst us, then we recognize God's in this. This is the new thing God is doing. A new thing God is doing amongst us and in that light I want to bring us back to thinking about rebuilding repairing and restoring that is a quote from Isaiah again this time chapter 58 verse 12 your people will rebuild the ancient ruins you will be called repairer of broken walls restorer of streets with dwellings that's where we get the rebuild repair restore from the alliteration of the R coming at the beginning of each of those three words is helpful for the memory and to remember but actually I'm not being fair to you that's not the full verse I've missed a line out so let's switch it on to the next slide and we'll see the bit in the middle that I didn't read out initially your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. Now, I think the ruins, the broken walls, the streets, when they are rebuilt, repaired and restored, I think they will look different. I don't think they will look exactly as they did before. There will be changes. There will be differences. And we should embrace those. We should welcome those and acknowledge that is what happens. But at the same time, the familiarity, the recognition there is in the foundations. And isn't it interesting? The ruins, the broken walls, the streets, they need rebuilding, repairing and restoring. But what about the foundations? Those words aren't used regarding the foundations. A different word is used. You raise up the foundations. And I think there's a sense here that the foundations are age-old. They are stable. They are like rock. They are solid. They don't change. They are perpetual. And there's the language. They don't need repairing. They don't need rebuilding. They don't need restoring. They need raising up. And isn't there a lovely thought here? That Jesus himself is our foundation. He is the foundation stone on which we build our lives, on which we build this church, on which we would love to build communities. He is 
the foundation and he is stable and strong. And if we raise him up, as we raise up the foundations, he will do what he said when he said, if you lift me up or if I am lifted up, I will draw people to myself. And I think that's a lovely thing. And part of our vision together is to help people find Jesus. I feel in many ways, as a church even, we try and echo the principle of both consistency and change here at Ebby. So that in our vision and in our activity, there have been changes, there will be changes. Some things stop, some new things begin. Uh, Different things become a focus for a season. And yet at the same time, we commit ourselves to this vision that's right in front of us, always in front of us every Sunday, continually reproducing the life of Jesus. And this is it. We commit to the vision, the ultimate vision, the one vision that doesn't change. This is a foundation and it is Jesus. I mean, one day we might change the form of words. We might do that, but Jesus will still be front and center. So Jesus is a foundation and If God is speaking to us as a church about foundations, maybe he wants to just remind us that the God foundations, the Jesus foundations are strong. They are indestructible. They are unchanging. They are faithful, which is why we can say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That does not change. He does not change. The foundation is safe and secure and solid. And we can read, and this is Deuteronomy, way back in the Old Testament part of the Bible, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. They are eternal, forever. And I feel that we need to embrace The difference is here. Isaiah 43, way back to the scripture we read at the beginning. See, God says to us, I am doing a new thing. And yet at the same time, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The two hold together. Or Malachi, uh, a prophet of the Old Testament, says this. Words of God himself. I, the Lord, Do not change. And yet when it comes to you and me, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, we are being changed. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And I feel that here it is. We can hold on to the good of our past, the good in our history, the good in our heritage. And yet we can embrace the new thing that God is doing amongst us, both today and in the future. We can rely on the age-old foundations on one hand, and on the other we can engage ourselves with the new build. Because God is changing us making us more and more like his son, Jesus. And there has to be change. It's not just an internal, theoretical um, change. We see the changes. We notice the changes. 
Now I said, and I'm going to draw to an end here, that in our verses that I read, there is that lovely encouragement. God just saying to us, look, it's been tough. It's been hard. Now don't dwell on the past because I'm doing a new thing. And I think that's a promise. I think we can hold on to that. And I think we need to explore what that really looks like and what that means for us together as a community church. But we do have a part to to play because God's kind of criticizing his own people to say, you have not called upon me. They weren't praying. They weren't calling on the name of the Lord. Not only that, but they hadn't wearied themselves for God. In other words, they were making no effort whatsoever for God. And that gives a picture of a very self-centered life that ignores God and lives just for self. You, you haven't honored me with your sacrifices. They were making no sacrifice in their lives for God. You haven't brought the, this fragrant plant to me. You, you've, you're not offering me worship. You've, in fact, you've burdened me with your sins and your offenses. And that seemed to be multiplying. And this is the challenge I was warning us about. That as God does his part in doing a new thing amongst us. Repairing, rebuilding and restoring the walls and the streets, etc., etc. Yet the foundations are strong and solid and need raising up. As he does his part, we must engage ourselves with it. Partner ourselves with it. Be involved, be in the middle of it, and do our part too. And sometimes there will be sacrifice. Sometimes there will be hard work. Sometimes we need to offer of ourselves. And that is the challenge. And that's why Jesus was very honest when he said to those around him and his disciples, if anyone, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would come after me, They've got to deny themselves. They've got to take up their cross and follow me. And there's the invitation. Are we prepared to follow Jesus? Now, today, tomorrow, ongoing. Maybe we made those choices a long time ago. Maybe recently. And maybe we feel, well, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't following Jesus. But I think the challenge now comes. Are we prepared to sign on the dotted line? Are we prepared to walk with Jesus? Are we prepared to practice what we preach? And I'm very, very aware that that applies right now. Everything I've said to you, I'm saying to myself, we, we, always, we always do that as, as those who speak from the front here. And, it, and it's hard. But are we prepared to follow Jesus? That's the invitation. And that's, that's the closing of this talk. The invitation to follow Jesus, even if it means denying ourselves. In other words, let's take self away from the center of our lives and let's place Jesus there instead. Now oh, that's a good way. That's the best way. Are we prepared to take up our cross, whatever that may be? Are we prepared to live a life that is sacrificial for God, for Jesus, for one another, for others? Laying our lives down for him and for others. Are we prepared to, to pick up the cross and thirdly, to simply follow Jesus. Let's invite the band up just to um, bring our time together.